I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and feature on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, so, Che Gilgis Alexander, I feel like he's somebody that we haven't talked a lot about because it's been about trading Chris Paul, it's been about the Russell Westbrook trade, and about Paul George, but according to lots of people, this guy is super good. I've watched him some. I can't claim to have watched like every Clipper game or even like full Clipper games, uh, but there's been a lot of nice stuff written about him lately, and I thought we could talk about his fit in OKC and um, maybe some expectations for this year. So what are your some of your initial thoughts on Shea um, and him being a building block for this team? Well, I think – so there were two main articles this week, one from uh, OKC's very own Brett Dawson. It's great. Which was more of the personality side. Yeah. And that one, you know, I didn't know anything about Shea, honestly. Right. Like all that I knew about Shea was from smart NBA podcasts telling me that he was really good. Mm-hmm. That was the extent of my knowledge. I knew I that he was big. I knew that he was big for a point guard, like tall for a point guard. So that was exciting. But that was about all I knew. Right, but you read that article by Brett Dawson, and you you come away thinking like, oh my, this guy's like, he's the real deal. Like right. he's <laughs> so into basketball, and uh, I thought it was really funny. He, I didn't, I didn't know he was from Canada. Mm-hmm. He's from Ontario. Had no idea. Uh, I thought it was really funny the little snippets about his mom, how like after he would have a good game, she would be sending texts to the coaching staff at University of Kentucky. Saying like, oh, I can tell his head's getting big. Don't let him get. Don't let him get excited about this. Right. Don't let him enjoy a moment of this. Yeah. Um, it's funny because everything that I've read up to this point and have watched up to this point makes me think he is in every way the exact opposite of Russell Westbrook. He isn't in some ways though, but I do feel like in terms of like their drive. Sure, the, the, sure, sure, sure. The personality part is kind of similar because I think that's what got Russell to where he was. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but Russell wasn't a huge recruit coming out of high school. He was not, and that, and the, in those terms, yes. But like in terms of his game, and in terms right. of like not getting a big head, and like leading quietly and stuff like that, like. <laughs> It's it's all the other side of the coin for Russell, which is not like I'm not trying to trash Russell. I'm just saying like they're they're very different. Um, yeah, and Shay and people like pegged Russell as a guy that wouldn't last in Oklahoma City because of his personality, his his fashion, his how loud he is. He's from L.A. All these things, and you're like, that's not an Oklahoma City guy, you know. And he ended up being like the Oklahoma City guy. Um, unbeknownst to us early on but Shea seems more like he's he's more reserved he's he's just different he's just a little bit different than Russell and seems more like more like an Oklahoma City guy even though Russell was like the Oklahoma City guy and really still is I mean if when you ask like somebody that doesn't live in Oklahoma City tell me something about Oklahoma the Russell Westbrook is going to be like one of the 10 things they tell you about Oklahoma and so like I'm gonna 
I have no intention of trashing Russell or anything like that. I'm just trying to say like they're very different. Yeah, but but another similarity is that they aren't traditional point guards. Um, yeah, you know when when SGA went to UK, they kind of knew that he didn't that he was basically a scoring point guard. He wasn't originally recruited by them. You know, Brett Dawson said that you know they took seven players that year, and he was the seventh ranked guy. Mm-hmm. He was the only one who wasn't a five star recruit. He originally committed to Florida. And then he and his mom both wanted to go to UK because they knew it was going to be hard. Basically, they knew that yeah. none of the minutes were going to be guaranteed, that it would be really competitive. And uh, there were some really good anecdotes about how, like, at Kentucky, the gym is right there. It's always open to you, which means, like, it's whatever you make of it. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Shea was in the gym all the time. He was, like, one of the first players to be wanting to look at his own film with the coaches. And he just kind of set this standard for himself that first year that has carried on even at Kentucky beyond that. And apparently like Cal Parry still talks about him um, in those terms to other players like as an example to live by. Mm-hmm. So so the whole personality part of it, that was – I mean that was awesome reading that. <laughs> it was great. It got me very excited for him and for what he could be even this year. Because, yeah. Because I think that you saw – you saw like spurts and glimpses of what he could be with the Clippers, but they had so many good players that no one was going to dominate the ball. I'm I'm excited to watch this Thunder team with Shea as kind of an off-ball guard just to see how he fits in with Chris Paul and with Gallinari and with Steven Adams. Like, I think that would be cool to see because he, from everybody that I read and from everything I see, like he played supposedly played 50% of his minutes at shooting guard, according to basketball reference. Very cool. But I'm also more excited to see him as the lead guard and to see what he can do. Uh, Because, I mean, we have to go all the way back, and this is a similarity with Russell, is that people didn't really know what position he was when he came into the league. And as far as like four years into his career, people were saying that he wasn't a point guard. And you don't hear that argument anymore because... He was made into a point guard. Uh, and it, it could be a similar career path for Shea, where like right now it's like, well, what what is he? Is he an off guard? Like he's going to probably start at the two for them. And like what what does he do? But I think in the future, I think the Thunder would like him as the lead guard, uh, just depending on what happens with the draft and what happens with certain trades and things like that. My guess is that he's going to be Oklahoma City's point guard and so I'm excited to see what he can do. I'd love to see him get more shots. I'd love to see him, you know, get you know 15 shots a game and see like what what does his efficiency look like? Is he able to hit 36% still from three? Um, and he's a guy that works really hard and can read screens really well. I'm just excited to see him do a lot of stuff. And I don't know what that opportunity will look like initially, but I'm excited to see, you know, as the as the year goes on, what that looks like. It will be weird seeing a team where there are a lot of shots up for grab because even CP3 isn't like a high-volume shooter. No. And neither is SGA. and So there's going to be shots for a lot of these guys. I'm interested to see who, who takes them. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that Chris Paul will take the most shots on the team, but will that be more than 15? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Gallinari could yeah that, you're right you're right you're right it could Gallinari is probably the primary scorer on the team um it's gonna be such a weird year it's a weird year 
Like, and Michele and Brett talked about this on Monday, like the top scores on the team. Like, it's, it's Gallinari and Chris Paul to start the season. Like, there's no question. Um, but I think a more interesting question to me is those guys are not going to be on the Thunder for forever. Like, who's the leading scorer then? You know, when Chris Paul and Gallinari are gone, and let's say they get back draft compensation and like and, and nobody that can really score the ball. Like, who's the leading scorer on the Thunder then? I still don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no clue. I have no, it's it's going to be interesting. There's just a lot of things to figure out here uh, with this team and with Shea. And I, I think that it's great to have a guy like Shea. And the Thunder haven't really had a guy like him ever that is... Like, if they need to draft a point guard, great. If they need to draft a shooting guard, great. If they need to draft whoever, like, you're not trying to, like, fit pieces in. Like, you can kind of put Shea where you need him to go, and he's going to be one of your best players, uh, which will be an interesting process. Because with Russell and with Kevin, it was like, okay, those positions are locked down. Like, we don't need guys at those positions. We need to find guys at other positions. And that kind of leads into the second article about Shea, which was by Jonathan Charks of The Ringer, which was more about how he plays on the basketball court Um, and some of the highlights, you know, obviously the positional size is huge because like you mentioned, that makes it a lot easier for them to build around him. Mm -hmm. I think we had gotten to the point with Russ where he he was like, obviously a superstar in this league, but he might've been the most difficult superstar to build around because he was a point guard who couldn't shoot, but also was going to shoot a lot. And we, we found these last couple of years, it was just hard to build around that, that player mm-hmm. um, as great as he was. And so there is more flexibility with SGA because of his size. Um, the, like he, uh, Jonathan Charks talked about, you know, this is a guy who guarded, you know, some of the bigger wings when the Clippers would play them last year. Um, a few of the other things was his basketball IQ, something I didn't know. He only had 1.7 turnovers per game last year. Yeah. It's nice to see. It's nice to see. For a rookie, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then also for a rookie, the idea that he improved over the year. So while we saw some guys like Doncic kind of you know come out really hot and then they faded over the year, mm-hmm. um, Shea actually got better through the year and had two of his best games in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Some of the specific things about his game, so his isolation score percentile is in the 87th percentile. And most of the comparisons Charks was making was to Trey and Luca. So, like, Trey was in the 58th percentile and Luca was in the 60th percentile. So, that makes you feel good, too. Like, he's going to be, he can get to the basket, he can get his own shot when he needs to, and he's pretty good at doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, shooting is the real question. Now, the upside is that he, his free throw percentage is great. He's 80% free throw shooter, although he only took two and a half per game. And, that was the one weird thing because he was comparing him to these other two guys and saying that he gets to the rim way more than these other guys, or at least a larger percentage of his shots are at the rim, but he's still not taking a lot of free throws. So I don't know if that's just a rookie thing or if it's more he's avoiding contact. I just haven't watched enough of Shea to know. And it's a small sample. I mean, you can work right. off like percentage of time that he does this or that, but he's not taking as many shots and doesn't use as many possessions as Trey or Luca. Yeah. Um, so it makes the the comp a little bit harder, and also he's not like the focal point. He wasn't the focal point of the Clippers last year. 
You know, right. he, he wasn't the guy that everyone was watching out for. And so he had more room to operate. He had more room to do things that, you know, Trey definitely didn't have the room to do. Even Luca didn't. So it's kind of a, it's a tough cross comparison because they played different roles on their teams because Trey and Luca were the best players on their teams last year. And Shea was one of the best players on the Clippers, but he was, what was he, like on the pecking order, like fifth? You know, it wasn't, he wasn't the best guy, the focal point, the go-to scorer. And so you can make that comp, but I think it's it's a little bit muddy to me. Yeah, and and I think he was just making the comp just as like these are two other rookie guards. Sure. How does he compare to the other rookie guards? Yeah. Um, but then the one comp that he did make, which I thought was interesting, was the young Sean Livingston. Mm-hmm. So Sean Livingston, when he was on the Clippers, because he was another – super guard who was really good at getting the rim did not shoot could not shoot right never shot um and before but before his injury he was kind of seen as like the future of the position just that he in some ways was positionless because he just was so big you could play him he was he was very versatile in that way um but i went back and looked at their stats like i was looking at sean livingston's first three years before his injury and like at least statistically, like Shea was already like above and beyond what Livingston was doing. Yeah. Um, the one the one area where Livingston really excelled that Shea hasn't yet would be passing um, in terms of some assist numbers, but that probably had a lot to do with Shea being on the Clippers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think just his overall usage and and that's something that he does need to improve on. Uh, but he's only played one year in the NBA, so that's okay. <laughs> Like he has a lot of things he's going to improve on. Um, It's just kind of crazy that he's as far along as he is. And what was was he the eleventh pick in the draft? Like that's it's kind of crazy that he slipped that far and is is the player that he is today. And he he actually retweeted that article from Jonathan (laughs) Chen. Saw that. Yeah, (laughs) it's awesome. He's going to get a text from his mom. <laughs> right. He's feeling himself too much. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the jerseys? Let's talk about the jerseys. Yeah. We got we got some new jerseys for the first <laughs> time. We got to see them. Yay. <laughs> so we had we have the ones that we knew, the icon and association. So those are like the classic home and away. So all they did was flip the words. From what I can tell, although I do think the blue jerseys look a little better, and I don't know whether it's just that they changed the lettering or if the blue is different. It might just be my computer screen. The blue seemed more vibrant, but it, <laughs> but it might have just been the photos. I think it is the photos, and yeah, it's just funny. I like it's just it's just weird. It's like okay, we're going to do this major shakeup this year. You guys, just get ready. You guys don't even know what's coming. We're Switching all the letters. <laughs> okay, great. You know, everybody asks for a, a rebrand, and it just feels like they're just shoving it in our face. Like, you want a rebrand? We're just gonna we're gonna switch the words. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah, and so the white ones now have Oklahoma City, which we'll talk a little bit about this with the city jerseys. But I, I think I've just reached the point where I don't know if oklahoma city works on a jersey there's just like too many letters it's a lot of letters it, it's hard to make it look really cool and the okc okc looks good right it does 
those so the statement jerseys, which are I don't know, are those sunset orange or are those like a variant? They're sunset orange. Okay, so those are some of my favorite Thunder jerseys that I've seen. Yeah, um, I think those look really nice. They really pop, and they have the OKC that's like offset in the middle, um, and I really like those. I, I wish all our jerseys, other than the Thunder jersey, just said OKC. Yeah. It just makes a lot more sense. I was trying to think of other cities with long names. Like I know Sacramento has put the entire word Sacramento on a jersey. Yeah. But I also know they just have like the SAC jerseys as well. Right. Um, So, yeah. So those were the three that we kind of knew about. And they're whatever. And and the (laughs) the Love's patch is still there. Okay. And so then the fourth jerseys, which are ones that no one knew about are the the ones that are kind of commemorating the bombing and were made in conjunction with the memorial. Uh, so they have a ton of detail in them. They have the gold gates of time. They have a reflecting pool. They have the 901-903 underneath the, the little flaps of the, of the shorts. They have the survivor tree. Um, I thought it was interesting that they're black and gold because going back to 2008, when we were t- talking about names for the Thunder, the Barons was a popular one, and I feel mm-hmm. like the color scheme was always black and gold. Yep. With those, so Thunder fans who have been craving a black and gold jersey finally got one. Um, as a jersey, I think they're fine. Again, I don't, I still don't like Oklahoma City on the front. Although I think this is the one jersey where you kind of have to put the full name on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I get that, but just aesthetically, I, you know, I still like OKC. Um, I, I think they're fine. What do you think about them? I think they're kind of, they're, they're cool. It commemorates the bombing. Well, um, I think that they're, I think they're going to look really good on the players. I don't, (laughs) it'll be interesting to see like how that contrasts with like the, the blue and whatnot on the court, but I think they're cool. I think they did a good job with them and, um, I don't have a lot else to say. (laughs) Yeah, and these these are probably one year things because it is the twenty fifth. We're coming up on the twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy that the the Native American style ones from last year. Mm-hmm. So they're just gone. Like I feel like we saw them like five times. I know those, and those are awesome. They're I just gone like, forever. I guess I liked the two alternate jerseys that they did last year. I thought those were really good. Um, but I guess you can bring them back. I don't know. They'll. I would assume that that is not the last that we see of that jersey specifically um but, but i also thought it was funny uh i was on thunder reddit and after the jerseys were released there were like six different posts about rebranding <laughs> <laughs> and, and just people's different ideas for them yeah so that would be cool the one i did see one just design idea that i liked which was so i i love the oklahoma flag mm-hmm. the the with the shield yeah in the middle and somebody did a playoff of that where the shield was a basketball but then it still had like some of the like adornments on it or whatever yeah um and it looked really cool and so i I wonder if there's something there uh but you know there's a lot of very talented people out there a lot of very talented graphic artists Mm -hmm. um so there's there's some cool ideas out there but we've been saying that for a decade i mean the, the a lot of these ideas were based on an article back in 2008 right <laughs> like a lot of these design ideas so <laughs> i'm not holding my breath but it's not no. i just like seeing people's design ideas and they may do a rebrand at some point i mean it makes sense now i think that the thunder weren't planning on this 
year being the year that they traded Paul and Russell. Yeah, they're not um, going to whip them out in like a week. No. So it doesn't mean that there's not a rebrand coming. I would guess that they will do one. I don't know how crazy it will be. I think it will be crazier than flip-flopping the uh, the words on jerseys. Uh, but I don't, I don't see it happening this year, maybe even next year. But within the next you know four or five years, I think they will do some sort of rebrand. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'm less interested in like a Oklahoma specific. Like, I don't think everything on the jerseys going forward has to have meaning. I, I wish I just like want a cool looking jersey. <laughs> it just has. I just want it to look good, <laughs> dude. I hear you. I'm just and also I'm a little exhausted of making fun of uh, the Thunder and their jerseys. Like when they come out with new jerseys, it's like, you know, like the ones they release, they're not just crazy awesome, but they're fine. Like they're good. Like they're they're not egregious. And I think. That's, and I like I like the statement jerseys. They're they're some of my favorites. They're gonna look cool. They're gonna look cool. I think that there are there's some good things about what they released yesterday for sure. Um, all right, you want to go move on to the Kawhi trade fallout? Ooh, yes. There were like four articles written yesterday by all the smart people in the world. Right. All about some just all the random fallout that's coming from the Kawhi trade. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of started with Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst of ESPN reported that the NBA has opened an investigation into how free agency was conducted this summer. And they're focusing on some of the earliest reported deals. And so this kind of came out of the Board of Governors meeting, which was in Vegas. Some of the owners are complaining about the deals like Kyrie, like how we knew that Kyrie was going to Brooklyn the second it was, which this happens every single year, but I guess it was more egregious this year. Yeah. And so they're going to investigate that. That on its own wasn't that interesting to me. It was kind of like... Agreed. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, who cares? But then... In the New York Times, uh, Soap and Deb, I think I don't know how to say his name. I apologize if that's wrong, but he <laughs> basically took that and added an extra detail, which it, to the which is that there were he says there are multiple reports this month suggesting that Kawhi Leonard's representation in arranging his blockbuster move from the Toronto Raptors to the Los Angeles Clippers had asked for perks that would violate the league's collective bargaining agreement. So this is kind of like a separate issue from the larger issue of tampering. Um, so Stephen A. Smith said that Uncle Dennis, Dennis Robertson, who is Kawhi Leonard's uncle, he's his agent, I guess, he had been asking other teams for houses, planes, and guaranteed sponsorship money. <laughs> and then, But then Stephen A. Smith said, I have no idea whether this is true or not. <laughs> Stephen um, A <laughs> is great in so many ways because he's just so entertaining. But he'll just say stuff sometimes. Like he, he will. Just, he just says stuff sometimes. And if it was just that, you'd kind of brush it off. But then TSN in Canada, which is their main, like, their, it's like their ESPN. Yeah. They said that Uncle Dennis had asked for things players generally don't ask get in standard contract negotiations, but they wouldn't specify what those might be. So I just think that's kind of an interesting – I'm more interested in that yeah, because that's kind of its own thing. And one uh, story they brought up in the New York Times was the idea of Joe Smith mm-hmm. 
which Joe Smith, of course, he was like a number one overall draft pick out of Maryland. They found that he had signed these short-term deals that were less than his market value with the Minnesota Timberwolves with a secret promise that if he did three years in a row at basically the minimum, they were going to give him a long-term contract worth $86 million, (laughs) which is so bizarre to think back on because – the other part of the story that I had forgotten was that Joe Smith had a deal on the table for $80 million from the Warriors and turned it down in favor of doing this weird, like, under-the-table deal with the Wolves. Yeah. And the Wolves were fined $3.5 million. They lost five first-round draft picks. <laughs> the thing I didn't remember was, so Glenn Taylor was still the owner. Yeah. He's, he's our current owner. But do you remember who their VP of basketball ops was? who I assume was acting as their GM? I don't. Kevin McHale. Oh, yeah. And he denied any knowledge of the illegal deal, saying, I haven't read a contract in four or five years. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, how did he get another job? He stayed with them for a while and then coached. And I don't know. Oh, so he... Okay, so when... I guess that's what I forgot. So when he was in Houston, he was the coach. He never had a role in their front office. Correct. Okay. So he probably didn't get a front office job after that. He did not. He, But he stayed with them for a while after that. But, but it's funny, looking back on that Joe Smith thing, Like I get that it's bad, but in retrospect, it's like, eh, is it really that big of a deal? Yeah. yeah. To be honest, like all this stuff is not super interesting to me. Uh because I think the players are going to do what they want to do anyways at the end of the day. And so you move the date back or you mess around with the calendar. I just think that does nothing. I think that it just changes the date that they agree to stuff. I can just think. Yeah, and I think the, the bigger conversation about it was Zach Lowe wrote another article called Why Kawhi Leonard's Power Move Was a Watershed Moment. And he talked about some of the ideas that are out there to try to fix this, mm-hmm. which of course every time they've tried to fix it in the past, they've failed hilariously. Right. It always backfires. So they should just do the opposite of whatever they think they should do. <laughs> and it would probably work out. Agree. Cause there's always unintended consequences when you, yeah. when you mess with this stuff or when you change things You're like, Oh, well, we can't ever let that happen again. And then they create a new problem. I mean, I just don't think that there's going to be any solving. There's no solving of this. I do think that you just cannot allow teams to pay family members and to give them all these extra perks. Like those things, like you've got to cut those things out. You've got to police those. You've got to fine for those things because that is like a tampering where if, if you have somebody that's really influential in their life, and they say like, "Oh man, you got to go sign with the Clippers or with the Warriors." And they're saying that because they're going to get a house, or they're going to get a car, or they're going to get whatever that they want. Like, that's not okay. Like, yeah. the, like, the players need to be able to make their own decisions and not be influenced by family members getting crazy perks or getting a job or getting whatever. Like, that can't be okay. Because some of these ideas, so like right now, if you sign a new contract, you can't be traded till December 15th. We all know that. Mm-hmm. So a few team executives propose extending the no trade period to two full years after a player signs a four or five year contract. And like that's obvious how that would turn against them. Like that would that would mean that like the, the Clippers would have been stuck with Blake Griffin for a full two years. Yeah. 
Um, and that can work both ways, which either side. So I don't know if that's a solution. The other one was that they could broaden, the league could broaden access to contract extensions. So like Boston couldn't offer Kyrie Irving a contract extension last fall because they could only offer him 120% of what he was making that season. And he obviously was going to make way more the following season as a free agent. Mm -hmm. So they could do things there to make contract extensions a bigger deal. And those have recently become like more common, but they're still not as common as they are in other sports. And then there was this thing about – so they, they had some quotes from Michelle Roberts. And they were talking about that idea, like the extension idea and just the idea that teams want to have – or they don't want stars to have as much flexibility – and so she said, we have heard grumblings about players running the league and how the league might try to rein things in by further modifying and restricted free agency. We will fight any effort by the governors to revert back to the olden days. But I do feel like the olden days really helped the middle class. Like all of the guys in the middle class right now are having to sign these short-term deals. And these are the players that are more likely to be out of the league in a short period of time. Like they probably have the shortest windows. And so... I do feel this like this goes back to just mainly helping the upper class, like the LeBrons of the world, in order to get the most amount of money and give them the most amount of flexibility. But I don't know if that helps, like Lou Williams, for instance. <laughs> right. I think the owners are going to do whatever they they're trying to do whatever they can to keep superstars. Like that's what all this is about, and I I just don't know at the end of the day. Do you want to be? Do you want to force superstars to stay put? Like, do you do you want that? Do you want guys to to be unhappy and to have these big stories come out? Like the Anthony Davis, the Anthony Davises of the world aren't going to stop. You know, guys are going to be unhappy, and if you force them to stay, I I don't know. I got I to me, I just don't think that there's that big of a problem. I think the the problem is that. You know, everybody's going to want to live in LA. Yeah. Everyone's going to want to live in New York. Like, that's just, and that's just the nature of being in America, (laughs) you know? I I don't think it's a problem yet because you still are basically guaranteed if you draft a guy to have at least six years and then maybe they'll demand a trade in that like second to last year. Um, But for most players, you have the full seven years. The issue that Zach Lowe brought up, which I had not thought of, was, the idea of a player taking a qualifying offer after their very first contract because qualifying offers are getting so rich. So like Zion, he just signed a shoe deal with Jordan where he's going to get paid $10 million a year apparently. His qualifying offer in 2023-24 is $17 million. So to that point, he will have already made, if he took the qualifying offer, $60 million just from his NBA contract. And then if you think about that season – he will have made a qualifying offer of seventeen million plus ten million shoe deal. He's already making twenty seven million that season, and so like for him, if he really wanted to get out of New Orleans, and there's no indication that he, he does, but I'm just saying, if he really did want to get out to out of it, would it really be that big of a deal for him? Because he's going to be making about thirty three million if he just if if he like resigned with them on a full max. Mm-hmm. And he's almost basically there with his qualifying offer and his shoe deal. So we're getting to the point where the money's so high 
that I think what we're going to see is there's going to be a, a case like this where a big-time player just takes a qualifying offer in his fourth year or whatever and then leaves and becomes unrestricted free agents. He basically bypasses restricted free agency. And I think when that happens, that will be like the the big moment in the league in yeah. terms of this whole discussion. Sure. I mean, I can see that happening um, at some point. But it really it, it comes down to these smaller markets with these stars just have to work harder. And they have to prove to them that you should stay and why you should stay. Yeah, um, and I think we we saw that with New Orleans. Like New Orleans was kind of a joke of a franchise before David Griffin got there. Um, and now they seem to be doing everything right. And OKC did everything right for a lot of years, just in terms of their, you know, player development, player relations, everything they offered to players. Mm-hmm. So I think you just, you know, it's the rise of the good organizations, which is what we saw with Brooklyn and L.A. this year, as much as the fact that they're in Brooklyn and L.A. Yeah, I, I, I think that, I think that, I think that it's, that it's, I think that it also, I think it's going to do away with all these franchises that just aren't operating correctly. Like eventually New York's going to have to change. The Knicks are going to have to change. And all these teams that are not operating with a good front office, with a good ownership group, like those are going to, like the haves and the have nots are going to somewhat be like coastal versus teams in like in the Midwest. Um, Like that will be a part of it, but it's also just going to be who's well run and who's not. And that's going to be more prevalent. I feel like moving forward, Um, who has a good GM, who has a good ownership group. I think those, those things matter more today than they probably ever have. And that's why if this thing in Houston doesn't work out and the fallout from that is Daryl Morey getting fired, who would immediately be snapped up by multiple teams. Yep. I am fascinated to see what would happen with Tillman, who he would hire. Oh, I know. It'd be great. I mean, Um, so if I'm a Rockets fan, that would scare the crap out of me. (laughs) Yeah. All, they're, they're so I, I've been on Rockets Twitter a lot and they're so peeved they're so miffed about them not wanting to like use their taxpayer mid-level or their non-taxpayer mid-level um, not wanting to like absorb a large contract with like Igudala just because they don't want to pay the tax they're really freaked out about Eric Gordon right now because Eric mm-hmm. Gordon's going to be a free agent next summer which basically means that if they don't extend him right now, he is the most likely trade candidate. He's their most valuable asset going forward because they have one of the oldest teams in the league. The Ringer did a piece about the best young cores ranking them in the league, and the Houston Rockets ranked 30th, which, which if you want to get excited about those Houston picks, that was uh, pretty good to read. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last article, which was more specific to the Thunder, was by Sam Amick and Jovan Buha from The Athletic. And the big thing that came out of this was that, one, Westbrook and George apparently went to Oklahoma City with their discontent at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing. And then the second thing was at least one other rival team indicated to the Athletic that the Thunder were willing to discuss the prospect of trading Westbrook leading into the draft. With that revelation seen as a sign, they were considering changes even before George made his move. Those were kind of like the new bits, at least from the Thunder side, um, from that from that trade. Which, 
isn't that surprising, but also it's this is the first time that's being reported. Yeah. And who knows what that, you know, willing to discuss trades of, about Russell Westbrook, like who knows what that really looked like. Yeah. You know, if somebody called and said like, hey, we'd like to trade for Russell, would you, would you listen? He might be like, yeah, tell me what you got. And then they might, he might have been like, no, like no way I would do that. We just don't know what those conversations looked like. But I think the the end, we've talked about this, like the end was near. It wasn't necessarily as close as we thought, and I don't think the Thunder thought it would be this quick, but the end was near within like the next you know 12 to 15 months. The Thunder were going to look a lot different. And it's funny because when they're talking about those two guys' discontent, they said... The Thunder worked on quelling their duo's concerns over the subsequent days and thought matters had been resolved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, and as an example or evidence of that was the Mike Muscala and uh, Alec Burke signings. <laughs> I know. It's like uh, I don't, I don't know if that was really, if they were really confident that that was like clinching the deal with these two guys. I yeah. hope they didn't think that. I. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I sure hope not either. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Paul George really likes Mike Muscala. I don't know. Yeah, no maybe. Idea. But th- those were some new details coming out, and I think there's going to be more fallout. We still haven't seen a lot of fallout from like Kyrie in Boston, and so this is kind of like the perfect time of summer to get these fallout stories. Right. I honestly thought the most interesting detail of that whole article in the Athletic was about how Magic Johnson had talked to Uncle Dennis and Kawhi and then went on national television discussing that uh, conversation that they had had. And so they quoted someone say, saying, I truly believe that when Magic started telling the media about the meeting he had with Kawhi and Dennis, that sealed the fate of the Lakers. <laughs> I think right there was when Dennis and Kawhi decided we can't trust the Lakers as an organization, and that was it. I think that was it for them. Which, that's magic. crazy. Magic is still having his impact. On yeah. Oh man. How mad are you if you're a Lakers fan after reading that? I'm furious because it's like one. They, I, I'm sure a year ago they loved Magic and was like, "Oh, this is the perfect face of our franchise." And then over the course of the year, you realize, wow, we we this guy's really screwing up things. More, he's doing more harm than good. And then you get excited that he's leaving. It's like, okay, good. The organization can get back on track. And he's still there. He's always going to be there. Yeah. I mean, there has to be some guys who this appeals to. There has to be some players who like looked up. Like Magic Johnson was their favorite player. And they think this is really cool. It has I don't to work think, for someone, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like None of these guys watched Magic Johnson. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if they did, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Like how much, I mean, it would be, I don't know, what, what would the comp be? Like, man. I mean, Zion, Zion said his favorite player was Michael Jordan. How old was Zion when he was watching MJ? He was in, in the womb. Yeah. You know who really inspires me? George Mikan. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was going to be an ad read. You know who, you know who else really inspires me? Blue Garden. You know, right now in Oklahoma City, the weather is 
fantastic. And I can't think really? of, a, of a better place to go than Blue Garden. Yes. Yes. It's like in the mid to low 80s. And like it was like 60 something this morning outside. Just beautiful. It's a great day today and this week to go to Blue Garden. And go check out. They have a great bar. They're going to have some great food trucks out there. I think you can go to their website or follow them on social media uh, to see which food trucks are out there. But they always pick great ones. They you have to like apply, and it's a it's a process to become a food truck that can go park at Blue Garden. And so they're only going to have the best there. So go check out Blue Garden. A, a great place to hang out with friends uh, or family uh, and get some good food. And just have a great time enjoying the outdoors. And this is a great week for that. Also, go check out the Banquet Cinema Pub. Uh, it's downtown. It is a movie theater, so you can go watch movies there. They also have uh, fun events like Bingo Night. Uh, this week, they have a Bingo Night. So go check out the Banquet Cinema Pub. It's not only a movie theater. It's also just a place you can go to eat. So they have great brunch. They have really good dinner. Their pizza is very, very good. Uh, so please go check out the Bank of Cinema Pub as a place to go see movie and also just a good hangout spot um, on a weeknight or a Friday night uh, to go on a date night. It's relatively inexpensive as well. So it's just it's just a really cool place. So if you haven't had a chance to go there, please go check out the Bank of Cinema Pub and support the people that support Down to Dunk. Okay. Andrew, you want to... I know we're wrapping up, but you, you got to give me your breakdown on these assistant coaching hires. <laughs> oh, so to have me, you ever, have you ever talked to any of these guys? Um, I've never talked to them. I've been around Dave Bliss a little bit okay. um, when he's with players. He seems like a cool guy. I think oh, that nice, nice. I like cool <laughs> guys. I think that they are developing from within and that they're bringing oh, inter- guys up. summer of internal development on the this, coaching staff it is definitely the summer of what? internal development that is the most boring thing ever i Dude, thought summer of internal development was boring for the players oh just get ready now mark degnall i think that he's a good coach i think that he's a guy that he may have gone somewhere else uh but i think that he's a guy that could be a future head coach in the nba and so I think that he's somebody to watch for. I think Dave Bliss is definitely a assistant, a good assistant coach, a good player development coach. I also think all these guys, compared to like going and finding somebody else, are going to be relatively inexpensive uh, because you're just bringing them up from the blue or bringing them up onto the major coaching staff. I just don't. I think that's it's a move that says we're not going to be spending a lot of money right now, and also a move that says like we believe in our processes and we believe in our people. Do you, do you think these moves say anything one way or the other about Billy Donovan's future? It's hard to say. I think that, and Royce said this yesterday on the Dream Team show, that this is kind of a tryout year for Billy. Like, show us what you can do. I think that that's kind of where the organization stands with Billy as of today. It's, you know, you don't have any excuses on the table anymore. You're going to have guys that are going to be coachable that are on this team. You can't. I mean, I I don't know. I I think that depending on how things go, depending on how players develop, depending on not necessarily wins and losses, but the direction that they're moving in, 
can Billy be that guy for them? I think that they really want to learn that because Billy's had such a weird career with the Thunder so far. It's He had a great year in 2016 and coached that team really well, I thought. Uh, 2017 was basically Russell's year. Uh, 18 was not good and 19 was not good. And so it's a it's a mixed bag of results. And what what they do with Billy moving forward, I don't know. I think he's done a good job of player development, and I think that this is a year that he can showcase that and really earn the trust of guys like Shea. And you know, I think that it's kind of a we'll see at this point. Hmm. What do you think? Um, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I honestly. If they came out and signed, announced an extension, it wouldn't be like the most surprising thing. Yeah. Um, because I do think they like him, and I do think they still like him, and I do think he might make more sense. But yeah, it does make it, it, it would probably be a good idea to just give it a year because you have the year. Like, it's not like, you know, if they hadn't offered him an extension last season and we just didn't have a coach right now. You'd probably have to commit a lot more, so you do kind of have this free year now. Mm-hmm. Where you already have the guy, you might as well see what he could do with a different team. Because I'm assuming that coaching a non Russell Westbrook led team would be different. It will most like, definitely be different. <laughs> might be a little different. <laughs> it would be a lot different. And like, and if you're the Thunder, what reason do you have to really full on commit to Billy at this point? I mean, yeah, because they haven't they haven't even really fully committed to the rebuild yet, right? I mean, they're kind of in a weird period with the team itself, with the roster. They are, and so you might as well just see what you got with Billy this year. And I have a feeling that he's going to do really well this year. And if he does, great. We'll see if we can give him an extension. If things don't go well, and he's not connecting with the players or whatever it is, which I would. It may, I mean, it could happen. It could totally happen. I don't know. I would I would side with that he's going to do well this year, and they'll probably extend him. But it, it could be that things don't go well. He wants to go back to college, or he wants to go coach a winning team and doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild, you know, three or four-year rebuild or whatever it's going to be. And you part ways, and you go find somebody else. I mean, I just it's it's a time where you just need to keep your options open, and the Thunder have all their options open, including coaching. All right, so what do we have the rest of the summer, Andrew? <laughs> we got a lot. We got to make up a lot of content. Is what we've got. For the rest I mean, of we the got. Summer. We're going to do over unders, which I'm excited about. Oh yeah, I love I love over unders. Um, might look at some NBA futures as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if there's anyone out there, if you have anything you want to talk about, talk about it. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us throughout the summer. We've been a lot of new listeners, so make sure that you are subscribed to the show on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to it on Spotify. You can listen to it on Alexa as well. So make sure that you are listening. We will drop a show Monday, Wednesday, Friday every week. Uh, so be sure to be on the lookout for those. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you got some time. We're super close to 900, uh, which is a cool number. And so if you've got some time... Uh, it's a way to kind of pay us back a little bit, um, and it's free, obviously. We want you to visit our sponsors as well, uh, but you can also just 
drop us a note or just leave us a five-star iTunes review. It's really very simple. Click on the Purple Podcast app. If you have an iPhone, search down to Donk, hit five stars. You're done. Super easy. So if you've got time today, do that. Go visit the Banquet Cinema Pub. A really cool place to, to go on a date night or go with friends. And then Blue Garden, you've, you've got to go. Like You just have to go uh, this week because it's not crazy hot. So I uh, hope you guys have a good rest of your week. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday morning. <laughs>